You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, chilling with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the crib, South Florida. We collectively represent KingsCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And make sure you subscribe to the website at uh, KingsCounty.com, of course. Use the promo code Miami30. Subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Kings County. And also subscribe to this podcast on all platforms, the Storm Tracker Podcast. Frank, it's North Carolina week. Um, this is kind of it's going by fast, the, the, this season. And you and I, we, we expected this team to be 5-0 and at this point. But, you know, because uh, the refs didn't call it chaining down and partly Cristobal not electing to take a knee the hurricanes find themselves at four and one going into chapel hill in north carolina this is a huge game uh not only for kind of the pro program the cristobal era and just just for morale sake i mean do you think this team really has the emotional toughness to really win a game like this on the road against a really tough team in North Carolina. Everything we've heard from the program from the offseason has kind of been that this is more of a tight-knit group than last year. So you're hoping yes. Historically, there is no proof of that. Typically, Miami coming out of bye weeks has struggled, and every time they lose out of, they lose at that point with the Manny Diaz's of the world and, and, and the carousel of coaches Miami has had in the last 20 years. They haven't been able to redeem themselves after a devastating loss like they did at Georgia Tech. I'm hopeful. I am hopeful, though. It seems like this team, especially from the start of the season, was was different than years past. And that's why we were hopeful about a 5-0 start. If you look at our predictions, there's a reason you and I are not Vegas uh, frequents and not, (laughs) you know, not kind of putting the lines out there for games. I think I had a 51-13, which obviously – did not happen, right? It was nowhere close to that. So uh, this team is hard to judge right now because if you go back and you look at what we saw against Texas A&M, who is a good team, that's a team that pushed Bama all the way to the ropes, right, and and has had a pretty good season thus far outside of the Miami game. I don't know what to expect from Miami because Tyler Van Dyke is the ultimate unknown. There's a second where he looks like a Heisman Trophy quarterback Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and then the next second he's throwing three interceptions and looking inept in the red zone. Uh, it's it, it's it's wild to see just the inconsistencies from him on a week to week basis. So I'm I'm hopeful that they're going to come out of this tough situation better. Uh, but it's this is a bad week to uh, to have a situation like Georgia Tech because North Carolina is a very good football team. Yeah, that they are. Um, they are third in the ACC in scoring offense, right behind the Hurricanes, actually, uh, with Florida State at number one. So when you just kind of look at that, you kind of think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, just the fact that both offenses have been pretty potent this year. And, you know, to pinpoint the points per game, Miami scoring 39 North Carolina scoring 36.6. So 
I know that this team that that Miami's going to face this weekend, the Tar Heels, is a tough team. But this is going to be North Carolina's toughest test of the year. And they were already tested one time with Appalachian State, took overtime for the Tar Heels to get a win like that. Of course, that's kind of an in-state I guess you could say rivalry. Um, I say that just because Appalachian State really will get up for a game like that against Carolina. So not surprised that that game came down to the end. But I don't think North Carolina has really been tested uh, this season. Uh, They blew out a, a not very good Syracuse team. South Carolina, who they took care of in the season opener, we've learned is not a very good team, especially up front on the offensive line. So I think North Carolina just kind of took advantage of that. The X factor, though, Frank, is the fact that they now have a number one receiver added to their offense in Tez Walker. I think that is a huge difference because they already have pretty good playmakers already. So you add a player like Tez Walker into the mix and you could probably say that adds a, a few points more to their points per game average. I think this game really comes down to turnovers when it's all said and done. Like who gets the the more turnovers in this game is what it will come down to. If you look at the last two games, Frank, uh, it came down to basically last second interceptions or, or interceptions on the potential go-ahead drive for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, from Tyler Van Dyke. So I think this is all about Tyler Van Dyke taking care of the football as far as the end result is concerned. What do you think are some of the key factors for the Miami Hurricanes to win this one? Can the defense show up, right? That was one of the worst drives we've seen from the Miami defense at the end of that game. And it happened really on – Miami's best player on the team, Cam Kitchens. You can blame him a lot for that play. He, he let the deep, he let that receiver, right, Christian Leary, get behind him and score that touchdown, right? And they went 75 yards in, in, in a short amount of time. It can the defense come back and play that physical brand of football we saw at the beginning of the year, strap things down on the back end of the defense, and, and limit a Heisman contender – and Drake May in a receiving core that is absolutely loaded. Just look at the stats last week. They had multiple receivers go for 100 yards. And that didn't include Tez Walker, who had six who had six catches of his own. Like, this is a potential offense that could be special in North Carolina, and they're going to be scary to play against. Daryl Porter Jr. better be on his A game. I think Jaden Davis is never really a worry. To Corey Couch, while I love his ability to get his hands on the football, can't be jumping passes way earlier than he's supposed to, like he did on that second-to-last throw to Malik Rutherford last week. Uh, it, it, this they got to play discipline. they got to play smart because this is a team that will take advantage of you. And Drake May already showed Miami last year how good he really is. He absolutely dominated the Hurricanes' defense last year. Now, the thing that has me a little excited is he will turn the ball over. And basically every game this year he's turned the ball over, but they're going to score points. If you look at the schedule, they have not scored under 31 points in a game this year. Now, as of late, that's been all in the passing game. They haven't had a 100-yard rusher 
since that Appalachian State game. And it was a 230-yard performance that was kind of an outlier if you look at the rest of the season. So, overall, Miami has the key on this passing game. This defensive backfield, I mean, just look at the play that's getting showed right now. You cannot have moments like that. They are going to have to wake up. They're going to have to stay disciplined because Drake May is very good. And he will will, uh, put up some huge numbers against us if allowed. Yeah, you have to be weary of him throwing for a bunch of yards in this game, but you also have to worry about him running with the football, which has killed Miami over the years. And it seems like May's kind of improved in, in, in that aspect as well as far as when, when to run, picking and choosing his spots to, you know, get first downs and, and just chew up big chunks of yards. That's going to be a concern for me uh, as well. Defensively, North Carolina doesn't really scare you that much as far as, you know, uh, as far as their their rush defense is concerned or, or their passing uh, defense. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, rushing defense, they're sixth in the ACC, uh, allowing 117.8 yards a game. Miami's still at 58.2, which is kind of an amazing number to be holding opposing offense on the ground uh so they're still stout against the run uh passing defense is actually a little bit better for for the heels uh but still not not you know that great i mean 216 yards per game is kind of what what they give up through the air so there's nothing that tells me this is going to be a (laughs) 10-6 type of game i think it's going to be very you know similar to the last game in Chapel Hill, where it was a 45 42 ma- matchup uh, to the end. And that was a game where Tyler Van Dyke really kind of came out. It was, it was really his, his coming out party, I guess, so to speak, was that game against uh, Carolina. He really kind of showed what he can do through the air, especially in that second half. And that is what will be needed for the Hurricanes in order to pull out a victory uh, here in Carolina. Do you think Miami kind of holds this ship together for the rest of the season, though? I mean, it, it's that we've we seen after an emotional loss that, you know, they kind of break down, you know, they, they, they seem unmotivated or, or it's just it's tough for them to really kind of ride the ship, you know, um, in the year two of Chris, uh, this Cristobal era, do you, do you see, has it changed your, your, perception or the win total that you think Miami could win this season is is that gone up or down for you Frank oh it's definitely gone up seeing how this team has fought through the first five games even with the tough loss against Georgia Tech things are better for Miami this year than they have been since that 10 win season in my opinion under Mark Rick so I I, I like what Miami's got going on I do have faith that this team is going to bounce back like I said earlier I just think this is a fork in, fork in the road type game, especially heading into the core part of the ACC schedule. If you win this game, you are going in with a ton of momentum. You're probably shooting back into the top 20, right? Depending on how, on how the rest of the top 15 shakes out this weekend, which we saw it be up and down for the rest of the country in regards to the top teams in the country. Uh, that's If you have some teams lose, you could see a top 15 
push if depending on how you play against North Carolina. There's still hope on the horizon for this Miami team. The expectations at the beginning of the year, we were talking about seven, eight wins, right, with a hopeful of nine. That's still the case here. If you knock off North Carolina, you're going into that FSU game with some confidence. Even if you lose that one, you're going to go into some go into that Clemson game with a crazy amount of confidence because they've looked horrible this year. And the only other game that I feel like is a worry on the schedule would be Louisville. And we've seen them look rough at times this season as well. Miami's still a top 25 team in the country. Thank God. I think that was probably the right decision by the AP poll. Just because Miami did win that game, in my opinion. They did yeah, win the game. And Don Chaney was down. Uh, it, was, it was a fluke ending to that game. Miami still was the better team against Georgia Tech. They just did not finish. Right? right. So, I, I, I think that these type of moments do happen in college football. We have seen great teams struggle against inferior inferior opponents in the past. We've seen, uh, you know, Alabama slip up along the way and still have – not comparing Miami to Alabama right now. I'm not doing that. But I'm just saying we have seen teams that have finished really strong have slip-ups along the way. I mean, listen, Florida State almost lost to Boston College. They realistically should have lost against Boston College if you go back and watch that game. But they didn't. They, they finished, unlike Miami. But still, any given Saturday, you could take an L. And this Miami team is still one of the most talented rosters in the country. If you look at it from a recruiting index, they have blue-chip rosters up and down the roster. The transfer portal group that they brought in was elite. Tyler Van Dyke, despite his inconsistencies, is still one of the better quarterbacks in this conference, and I would argue the country. You have a run game where you have upwards of four guys that can make a difference. Who would I like to see this week? Maybe some A.J. Allen at some point. I think we've been missing a little bit of that game-breaking ability, especially with Mark Fletcher now out for an extended period of time from where, from what we've been told. All right. Overall, I, I think that there is still potential for Miami to go into this game the same way that they would have if it was a close win against Georgia Tech. You have great leaders on this team, right? The Malanoas are, are, are difference makers in regards to the locker room. Cam Kinchins, we already know what he brings to the table. James Williams is playing lights out football. That game was not on him at all. He got an interception in that game. I felt he looked pretty good. The defense was yep. stout overall beyond that last drive, really. You yeah. have guys that are going to step up and be leaders in this locker room. And I think that's going to be the difference in setting the tone heading into a key North Carolina game and the rest of the ACC play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Miami has to find a way to – overcome adversity in this game because they're going to go through adversity, you know, because you're going to be on the road, that crowd's going to be rowdy and you may get down in this game, you may get down big and it, how they respond to that adversity is really going to tell you all you need to know about this football team in this game and for the rest of the season, because they've gone through the most <laughs> adverse situation you could probably go through with that loss that they went through last week. And if they can bounce back from this, from that debacle and come out with a win against North Carolina, who is a top 15 program at this point, then it makes me feel like they can run the table, but running the table, Frank, though, it, it seems so, you know, far-fetched at this point, but, I was thinking about this. I was just like, wow, it, what if Miami 
somehow does run the table, right? I don't think they will, but if they did by by some miracle, right? Um, and that one loss is the one loss to Georgia Tech. It may go down as one of the, the worst losses in Miami Hurricanes history, if that happens, you know, like because you literally won one kneel down away from being undefeated. You know, if you're able to run the table, or you know, just right now you're you're you were one kneel down away from from you know having an unblemished record. So it's it's almost it's almost as as, as if like I'd rather Miami maybe lose one more game just so you don't have that stigma for the rest of the program's history. You know, <laughs> like because that'll be forever remembered the magnitude of that moment would be is is magnified if they're able to kind of win the majority of the rest of their games or or um you know win the ACC you know what i mean yeah so. i get that i get that i also think that sometimes you look at football seasons and football is a weird sport it is one of those sports where momentum is utilized in, in negative moments and positive moments and this could be a turning point for the rest of the season, right? Like they could say to themselves, this is this is the final straw and what has been a 20-year curse of Miami football. We're putting our foot down. We're going to make a change. We got the roster to be able to do it. The ACC is essentially wide open because Florida State is not some powerhouse despite their standing in the rankings. Clemson is really down. North Carolina is a beatable team. Appalachian State has proven that. I think that they could use that 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 Georgia Tech game as a building block loss, as crazy as it is to say, to power them through the rest of the season. Do I think it is outlandish to say that Miami is going to go undefeated the rest of the season? I do. Uh, it's going to be tough. You're still building this team and this program after a five and seven five and seven season. That's why for me it is crazy that people are so wild right now about Mario Cristobal. Yes. Was it a bad moment? Absolutely. But calling for the firing of a guy that has completely flipped the script, right? This is a top 15 recruiting class in 2024. They've already started building a top 10 class in 2025. The brand is back to being popular. It's your four and one, which is something we haven't, we haven't seen for Miami in some time. Uh, you you got to win against the ranked opponent opponent early in the year and you're still a ranked team uh, that to say that this Miami team is ranked after going five and seven last year you're still in the positive right <laughs> oh, yeah. everything going forward is better all you need is one more win to tie the win total for last season so if yeah. you beat North Carolina at the halfway point of the season you have now matched your win total for 2022 and then it, everything else you win there is really just Cherry on top, because we know that Mario Cristobal is building this program for the future, not just for 2023. Is there a competitive mindset for this for the staff? Absolutely. They want to fight for a national championship on a year-in, year-out basis. But this is a roster that's forced turnover to the level of, like, almost Colorado, right? Yeah. It's you, – you can't look at – you can't look at Miami losing a game as – it's season is done, right? Because if if everything around the program is that negative, 
it's going to seep into what goes on in the field. Sure. So overall, man, I think that this is going to be a game that is the fork in the road game. I think that Miami definitely has a huge opportunity here to turn things around in regard to the view of the fan base, because I don't think that the staff is looking at it like this is a must win game. They want to win this game, but they know that there are brighter horizons, uh, you know, coming, right? Like they're, the recruiting class in 2024 is special, right? We're going to talk about one of the guys that they just picked up in a few. Sure. And if you, there are guys that are difference makers coming into this program. And that's not even talking about the potential impact players that they're going to be able to add in the transfer portal this off season. Yeah. Uh, overall, I, I, I'm still positive about what's going on. I see a difference in what's going on on this team, despite uh, a moment of lapse from the coaching staff and, and, and the defense at the end of that Georgia Tech game. And I think that there's a good chance that Miami could come out victorious this week against North Carolina and yet another primetime game where they won't be wearing those those jerseys that I hope that they never wear again in the Miami Vice jerseys. 100% they'll never wear that jersey again. I mean, just uh, me just looking at the pictures, <laughs> you know, it just brings back bad memories, bad juju uh, for the program. But um Back to this game, man. Like, who do you think needs to have a big game in order for the Hurricanes to, to pull out a victory in Chapel Hill? On offense, Tyler Van Dyke. It's obvious, right? He's He pissed down his leg. He pissed down his <laughs> leg in that game. It was just – the moment got too big. The brights got too light. I mean, the lights got too bright. He, he, was, he had an opportunity to have a special start to 2023. And he couldn't handle it. I don't know what happened leading up to that week of practice that Georgia Tech was able to just scramble him so much. Uh, you know, three three interceptions, which is something that if you would have told me going to that game he did, I would have told you that, you know, let me get what you're getting. Um, just, <laughs> overall, just overall, man, I, he's got to redeem himself from that moment. He, it's, yeah. I, this game is on him. This North Carolina game is going to be on him because even if Miami loses – like 40, 45, 42 type thing, right? Something that you were just talking about. I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> I would not be upset. This is a good North Carolina team. That's the top 15 team in the country. And if Tyler Van Dyke shows that he is back to the form that he was to the first four games, I'm feeling good for the rest of the season. Because before the year, we did not expect to win this game. We, You and I had pretty much two games that were circled in as losses at the start of the year. I felt like it was North Carolina, and I felt like it was Florida State. I felt like they had a chance against Clemson because we thought Clemson wasn't as strong as they were years past. They've proven that to be true uh, through, through the first half of the year. If he comes out and, he's, and he has a really good game, it Miami's got a chance. The other guys that have to have a, better, a, a good game are Don Chaney. He can't – listen, 100-yard game, right? I love it. He looks healthy, right? He looks good. Is he going to be broken by that moment? Yeah. Are they, is he going to is he going to allow what is not a fumble but a fumble to to derail what was a potential comeback season as a Miami Hurricane for him? I think those two guys, the offense is going to be predicated on uh, on their bounce back moments, and then on defense, where are you, Cam Kitchens? Where are you, Cam Kitchens? I I you know we love him here at Canes County. Uh, he's an All-American. Uh, sure. He's arguably the best player on this team. But we've seen some special moments from James Williams this year. 
And yes, before he got injured, I felt like Cam was special against Texas A&M. But you, as as the guy for this team, you can't let that moment happen at Georgia Tech. It can't happen to you. It can happen to Corey Cap to, to Corey Couch. It can happen to a Daryl Porter. It can happen to a Jaden Davis because the expectations for those guys is not nearly as high. It cannot happen to the man with the C on his chest. You can't be the king of the castle and, and, and allow things to crumble because of a slip-up, right? So, overall, this has to be a comeback game for him. If he comes out and he forced and he's baiting Drake, Drake May and him and James Williams are playing all-American level football that we know they can, Miami has a chance as well. We know this is going to be a game where whoever is able to have their passing game work and not turn the ball over like you said, I think that's who comes out on top. Drake May will, he is a gunslinger. He is going to try to make plays. He does the hero ball thing a lot of the time. Yeah. He's extremely accurate, but he will he will turn that pill over. And if Cam Kitchens can get a, get an interception, James Williams can make some plays, I like where Miami sits. Yeah, I totally agree with you about Tyler Van Dyke 100% because last two games against Carolina, he had thrown the 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 interception that potentially seals it for for UNC. So you already know that's on his brain and then put that together with his performance last week. I think he's got to have a big game. I mean, it, the, all the pressures on TVD to have a good game in this one. I think the fan base will lose faith in TVD if he has another bad game. He has to at least have a similar type of output uh, that that he's had in these last two games. It's just because he's had actually good games against Carolina um, as far as yards-wise. It's just that that last throw uh, being interceptions is what people remember. I, I don't think most people remember that. He, he almost threw for 500 yards in, in, in basically both games, uh, you know, uh, against Carolina. So you have to have at least that. Like, you have to have a, a, a big game from him because this Carolina defense has shown that they can give up points. And, you know, Carolina's going to get points in this game. I, I don't think there's any doubt that that's going to happen. But Miami has to kind of keep up, and they have to force a couple of turnovers and and cash in on those turnovers so they have to be efficient on in the red zone efficient on, on third down when that crowd is is going crazy on third down he has to find a way to get first downs and he may have to use his legs to do so so i'd like to see tyler van dyke escape out of the pocket uh to get receivers some time to get open or for him to scramble for first downs. I, I think that's what you kind of need to see more of. You want to see less of TVD locking in on one receiver, um, which is usually Xavier Restrepo. Restrepo, I think you can, always, you can probably just chalk up six catches for 100 yards for him because that's pretty much what he has been producing every game this season. So you need another receiver to kind of step up here and – Oh, the, the OC Shannon Dawson did mention that Jacoby it was Jacoby George's mistake on the, on the third interception. When I was watching it live, I kind of thought that I felt like he kind of maybe turned the wrong way because from where the ball was placed, it, it just seemed odd that it would be 
so far off as far as where the ball was. And Shannon Dawson confirmed that in, in the press conference this week, saying that it was Jacoby George's fault on that last interception. So kudos to TVD for making the, the tackle on that interception, or that would have been a pick six. I think that was one of the better plays for him in the game. So he has to make plays. Uh, that That's just no doubt about it. For me, with the running game, I don't think you have to put too much on Don Chaney in this game. I don't think they, they will. I think it's going to be more of a committee. I expect to see A.J. Allen get, get some carries, a good amount of carries in this game because he's one of the top um, academic guys uh, for the week uh, that the Hurricanes announced. So uh, I don't think – I mean, there was kind of rumblings about him uh, with his academics, and that's – you know, uh, a rumor of why he wasn't getting carries. So this week he comes out, he's, he's one of the best academically. So I don't think there's any reason why you shouldn't see, you know, an explosive running back like A.J. Allen not get some touches in this game because you kind of want to see some big plays, some explosive plays, something to take the air out of that stadium that's going to be rocking. So I expect it to be a committee uh, when it comes to the running back position. Parrish gets another you know, a uh, week to kind of get healthier. And and then Don Chaney, I don't think a lot is going to be put on his shoulders as it was last week where he got eight straight carries until he fumbled or not fumbled the ball. So um, that's, that's what I think on offense. As far as defensively, man, you got to get some pressure, man, because I think the in the last game I just wasn't seeing a lot of pressure being put on Haynes King. I mean, there was some pressure being put onto him, but he was able to kind of escape it. Um, so you kind of want to see this D-line contain May where he doesn't go outside of the pocket and start to make plays. And you kind of want to see some setbacks. I mean, Ruben Bain has been playing great, but you kind of want to see him register more sacks on the stat sheet and the whole team. Overall, I mean, you, you're looking at this uh, highlight now from last year's game, and you, you see May, once again, you know, getting out of the pocket, you know, for some yards. That didn't result in a, in a first down, but those are the kind of plays that, that you want to see from this Hurricanes team. If you can kind of contain them, force some punts, I think they'll they'll have a chance in, in this game. But uh, who do you think ends up being the MVP in, in this game, either for the Hurricanes or, or the – or the Tar Heels? It's going to be quarterbacks. It's going to be the quarterbacks for me. It's Drake May or it's Tyler Van Dyke. Whoever comes out on top in this one is the MVP. I do think that there are going to be some plays made by both receiving cores. Uh, Colby Young uh, has to be utilized more on this team. I don't know what his health status is in regarding to, to this week. I know he got a little banged up last week. Um, but, uh, like, I know he's going to make a big play. We know Xavier Shepard, he's going to bring to the table. I think Jacoby George has has a solid game as well. Uh, we, we've seen moments from him. Would love to see a little Elijah Royo mixed in. We saw him dressed out last week. But I do think it's on Tyler Van Dyke. I think how he performs is how, how Miami wins uh, or loses. And I think that he ends up the MVP. Drake May, same thing. This run game for North Carolina has pretty much been atrocious over the last three weeks in regards to their leading rusher. I think 78 yards is their – as their highest total uh, through the last three weeks. And that's not good. That's not good. So it's on Drake May. 
Uh, he's got a, a plethora of receivers. He's going to try to make plays, and he has the ability to do just that. For me, those are the two guys that are going to come out on top with the most important players this game honors. Uh, and, and it's going to come down to them. I keep saying it. It's it, Tyler Van Dyke. Miami goes only as far as Tyler Van Dyke takes them. And the same thing with North Carolina, because we've seen North Carolina go to the bottom of the ACC with, with, with bad play from Sam Howell. We've seen them go to the bottom of the ACC without really, really good quarterback play. You add Drake May, all of a sudden they're a team that's fighting for an ACC championship. So those are going to be the two guys that are the biggest X factors and just the overall should be MVPs for their respective team. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. This is, a, this is going to come down to the quarterback play. I, I do expect it to be, be a high-scoring game. The over-under in this game, Frank, is 57. I like the over in this one big time. Um, and the line is North Carolina minus three. It was three and a half, so it's gone down Woo-hoo! a little bit. Vegas is telling y'all something. Vegas <laughs> is telling y'all something. There's a Cinderella story on the horizon <laughs> after that Georgia Tech game. The fact that it is a three-point game and they are the yeah. home team. Yeah. Woo, yeah. I feel good. Yeah. If Vegas feels good, I feel good. How about that? Yeah, I, I feel good with uh, taking those points with Miami, to be honest. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to the end. It's going to come down to a last-second drive, uh, I believe, for for Miami, like it has in the last two games. And we'll see if TBD can make the plays. Let's talk a little recruiting before we get out of here. Um, now, a couple of kids that Miami's in contention for. Um well, actually, before we get into those, let's talk a little bit about Night Carr. I mean, Night Carr, outstanding player out of Georgia, Miami get despite that heartbreaking loss. Carr was in attendance for the game. Um, I had a chance to briefly speak to him. Uh, he said he was, you know, he loved his 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 visit to to, to Miami. Um, just um, your thoughts on Miami landing Night Carr, you know that that devastating loss. He was the fact that he was tweeting out after that game. Miami's four and one. Georgia Tech's three and three. I love it. That means that he's bought into what Miami's selling. Um, He is an explosive player. Like before he even decommitted from Georgia, there was talk about him potentially jumping into the five star ranks here at Rivals. Right? That's it's been highlight plays of highlight plays for Nykar. Through the first six games of the year, he, he had, I think he's averaging 120 yards per game. He broke the school records for touchdowns in a career. Uh, he, he's six foot, 170 pounds. So he fits the mold of what this, of what Kevin Beard and Shannon Dawson want out of their slot receivers moving forward. So now you've added Josiah Trader, who could play web inside this in the slot or on the outside. You got Chance Washington as that bully 6-1, type receiver on the outside. You got two running backs in Chris Wheatley Humphrey and Kevin Riley. And you still got Jeremiah Smith on the board. And I think we'll touch on that in a, in a, in a, in a couple minutes as well. But overall, man, this kid is a huge addition. He, he not only boosts this class, he boosted the class to 12th in the country, which, listen, if you're a team that is coming off a 5-7 and seven season and you are the 12th-ranked class in the country – that means that you are changing a program. You're changing a culture. Does NIL play a factor? Absolutely. We're not going to discount any of that. But kids can make money anywhere in the country. 
and they're deciding to do it in South Florida under Mario Cristobal's tutelage. And they feel like that they can make a difference. They're, they're, this is a potential difference-making group of receivers coming in, combining with the Robbie Washington, combining with a, a, a Ray Ray Joseph. Isaiah Horton is still a young receiver on the outside. You've got Riley Williams, a tight end. Jackson Carver can be a developmental guy like a, like a, Mall- like a Will Mallory type guy was. Arroyo's still got some time left on his eligibility. I love the addition of my car, and I think it's only further proof that Miami is doing an excellent job in recruiting and that there are still still some big fish, big whales uh, on the board that Miami is going to have a chance at because they flipped this kid from Georgia. This was not just a win after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of those big whales that, that are still out there, you've got Aiden Braylon who is set to make his decision on the 14th. That's the day of the North Carolina game. Uh, he has a final three of Georgia, Oregon, and Miami. The modern-day defensive tackle, four-star. What do you think are the chances that Miami lands another D-tackle to their class? Or this D-tackle, I Listen, should say. I think this D-tackle, yeah, because – Listen, I, I think Miami has pushed really hard for Aiden Breeland. And the fact that they are in the final three for a, a player of this caliber from the West Coast, a school that is a USC pipeline program, yeah, is huge, right? Mario Cristobal has proven time and time again that his West Coast connections are legit. And this is just another example of that, right? But I do think it's a very similar situation to Sione Lolea. Uh, Miami, I don't think Georgia's in it, as some people are suspecting. Georgia's NIL situation is not as great as people think. Much like Alabama, they're not really up to par comparative to the Miamis of the world, the Texases of the world, the USC's of the world, right? That's why you're not seeing them go crazy in the transfer portal so much, right? Like Georgia got Ra-Ra Thomas, who was a good receiver. They didn't have to overpay for a guy like that. I think this probably comes down to Miami, Oregon. And does a kid leave the West Coast for probably similar NIL opportunities, right? The Nike connection with Oregon is going to play a factor to come to Miami. I, I don't think that he. I don't think that he leaves the West Coast. I think he does end up at Oregon with Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is on a roll in recruiting right now. He is one of the best defensive masterminds in all of college football. Overall, he, I. I hope Miami is able to make a late push, and we've seen them do that with several prospects thus far, including uh, Elias Rudolph. We'll see what happens. But if I had to put my money on it, I am putting my money on. I'm putting my money on Oregon in this case. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's trending towards Miami at this point. Of course, things could change between now and Saturday. Um, we've seen that before, especially with Miami. Uh, they they. They try to make, you know, late pushes uh, to some players uh, to see if they can, you know, kind of change their mind about things. But we've seen lately that that didn't happen. Well, with Elias Rudolph, they they did push for him late, but he still ended up committing to Michigan and then later flipped to Miami, of course. And then uh, David Stone as well. They tried to make a late push. Um, It's not like they weren't recruiting him, him the entire time, but. They really put, you know, uh, the pressure on uh, towards the 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 end of his 
decision or, or once he's getting closer to his his decision time, uh, but he ends up choosing Oklahoma. So it seems like this might be a similar situation, but you never know. I never count out Mario uh, Cristobal in recruiting. One of the best in the business. Another player that Miami is is looking to land this month is LJ McRae, uh, the outstanding talent out of mainland and Daytona is, you know, still trending towards maybe the hurricanes. Uh, which, what say you on that situation with LJ McCray? He's been a little, he's been pretty quiet with his recruitment thus far. He's not one of those kids that kind of puts everything out there. Um, he, he, he does take a lot of visits. The thing for me that kind of plays a factor is he, he has visited Georgia, right? He has visited Florida State. He's visited Florida. He's visited Auburn. And he waited a while uh, to make this announcement, right? Like, everything has already kind of played out in his recruitment. What, what, what was he looking for? And I think he was looking for Miami to kind of prove in the early part of the season that things are different, right? That there is an opportunity to develop on the defensive line. And what Jason Taylor is able to do with that group, plus – is Miami on the track record of being a national powerhouse again? I think that they've proven enough. I think that they've proven enough. I, I feel pretty good about this one. From everything I've been hearing, he, Miami was the school that he wanted to prove, prove to him that it was the school, right? I think he was waiting on Miami to prove it. Yes. Did they just lose to Georgia Tech? Yes. But – I don't think that this kid has made his decision yet, just yet. That's why he's announced the commitment two weeks from now. If Miami can get a win against North Carolina and continue to further the momentum that they have this season, starting out 5-1, and one, pushing for a top 15 ranking, I think that they land in L.J. McCray, man. I, I, I feel really good about it. I think FSU I think FSU and Auburn are two teams that I'm a little scared of. I'm not as – Florida I don't think is really in it as some people think. Um but Auburn is a team that scares me a little bit. They're willing to pay an NIL. There's an opportunity to play there. The SEC factor is there for him as well. And Florida State is obviously one of the top teams in college football this season. And they're doing a good job in recruiting right now. They have landed some big fish, and they've gotten him on campus several times. So, But I, but out of the two between him and Aiden Breeland, I love where Miami's at with, with uh, LJ McCray. I think that that's – I like where that they're at. I like where they're at with him and Zay Mincy. I, I do. I, I think that they're pushing hard to to land both players. I don't think Zay Mincy's close uh, to to being a Miami guy, but I do think that they are recruiting those guys as a package deal. We've seen them kind of wear Miami Miami gear during their games. I know that's not always a telltale sign of where a kid's going to go, but I do think that Miami is heavily in the race for L.J. McCray in a in a in a deeper way than they might be with Aiden Breland. So. I'm 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 picking Miami here. Maybe that's a little bit of bias, but if your defensive line is two blue chip defensive ends, uh, one of the best defensive tackles in the country, uh, a local star at the four I three technique position, uh, a p- potential reclass of Armando Blunt uh, from 2025, and then an LJ McCray, that is quite quite the pickup. Uh, in the trenches on the defensive side of the football for Mario Cristobal and staff. Yeah, definitely. One last player I wanted to ask about uh, before we kind of 
close this uh, recruiting segment is Adarius Hayes. Uh, he did visit Miami, the Florida commit. Um, you know, he was there throwing up the U. Um, it, it seems like a situation that is trending towards Miami based on kind of what you've seen from him. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting one to, to, to see him kind of uh, as open of his interest uh, in the U. Uh, how do you think that situation shakes out? I don't think anybody has an idea of what's going to happen with our Darius Hayes because he is one of the kids that he'll tweet out, I'm a thousand percent committed to the University of Florida and then schedule a game day visit to another school. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, he, and, and then he's out there, he's enjoying the game, he's wearing Miami colors, right? Like, yeah, seems going like up he's you. enjoying the process. You know, we, we have an article coming out on Cam Pruitt, he had a chance to connect with him. Uh, so there's a little bit of push from the guys in the program. Overall, I, if you, if you, took away the tweets from the kid and everything that he's saying, it looks like it's Miami, right? Like, yeah, he's on flip watch, but I, I don't know if the kid's just trolling or if he's just a kid who wants to keep his options open, especially with the way Florida is performing this season. Could he be a kid that if Florida continues to struggle, ends up just saying, I'm, I'm out of there. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. I, but I don't, foresee like a, a flip coming soon uh I, I think that linebackers coach Derek Nicholson has done an incredible job of pushing that really hard I, I know that people have kind of made it seem like Miami has made this a flip thing uh as of late this has been over a two-month process for the University of Miami uh, even, when he started tweeting out that he was a thousand percent committed he was still in touch with Miami about what's going on with with you know his recruitment so I think overall he's just one of those flirty recruits, and I don't think we can kind of read in read the tea leaves on a visit just yet. We have to see how this Florida season goes and unravels because I think it will. I think that they are absolutely going to crumble over the course of the season. I do not think uh, you know head coach Billy Napier is the guy in Gainesville, and I think that they're going to lose a number of recruits, and Hayes is going to be potentially one of them. That will be uh, a very interesting one for uh, message boards uh, <laughs> uh, across the the landscape of Florida and Miami. If if that if that indeed happens, um, we'll we'll see kind of how that will play out. As well as this weekend with, with high school football, uh, you know we like to kind of talk a little bit about South Florida house high school football, the mecca of high school football, as we like to call it. Uh, big game coming up this weekend. And we've got Miami Norland, who is trying to take the throne away from Miami Central, um, who has kind of dominated that district uh, for uh, many years now. Um, huge game for Norland uh, as far as could be a program-changing type of win for them and kind of put them back on the map when they won a state championship um, earlier in the century. <laughs> uh, so... How do you think that one plays out and, you know, just any other games you want to speak on? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, the week, this week in high school football, in my opinion, whether that's South Florida or nationally, is that Miami Central versus Miami Norland game. There's a lot of emotion going into that one. We've kind of had that one circling on our calendar since, uh, you know, the transfer season came to a close because both of those two teams brought in an influx of talent 
uh, in the offseason. And they, they've kind of been positioned for this collision course since Miami Central won 35-20 to 20 just last year in the playoffs. So, uh, Enyo Yapur, one of the best quarterbacks in 2025, nationally, in my opinion, eighth-ranked dual-threat quarterback in the country out of Miami, New Orleans. Uh, you know, Armando Blunt coming off a six-sack game against Miami Northwestern, a huge, huge performance in his inaugural uh, rivalry performance. Uh, overall, I think this is going to come down to the wire, similar as we've seen uh, the Miami New Orleans Booker T game, similar as we've seen the Miami Central Chaminade game, uh, Miami New Orleans Booker T. All the top teams in South Florida this year, I feel like, are pretty close. Uh, you're, you're, you're seeing a lot of close matchups. It's not as spread out as it has been in years past. I mean, you even yep. look at that Heritage Western game last week, 28-14. to 14. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that result. Western was up 7-6 to six at halftime. You're seeing, uh, you know, American Heritage take Chaminade to the wire. Coconut Creek take Chaminade to the wire. Uh, you know, Northwestern Central, 17-10. What, what about Homestead? Uh, Homestead, Homestead knocking Columbus off Columbus. Like Palmetto knocks off Homestead, right? It, right? South Florida right now is extremely tight amongst their top 10 teams. And I think this is just going to be another example of that because if you look at the rosters for these two teams, you have upwards of 40 to 50 Division One prospects in this game. That is yeah. an astounding number of players that are being recruited by college football teams around the country. Just so much talent on the field for both sides at virtually every single position, including the offensive line. You have Division One guys. So this is going to be one of the best games to watch. I think one of the cooler things right now is that the media is getting a chance to actually go to these games now with the with the GMAC. Things have kind of opened up back again. So it, it's yeah. cool to see South Florida be back uh, and extremely competitive because over the last couple of years, we've seen some moments where we were wondering if, Teams could compete with the top two or three teams in South Florida. And now we're seeing everybody kind of compete in a way that we haven't before. Yeah, should be a fun one, as always, in South Florida. Uh, there's a big game on the West Coast, too. Um, you know, St. John Bosco and Modern Day. I mean, yeah. that doesn't get much bigger uh, than that one, at least on the West Coast. Well, um, Modern Day is going to blow them out. Modern Day is going to blow the <laughs> blow the doors off them. I I don't think St. John Bosco – listen, it's a rivalry game, so anything can happen. But Matter Day is absolutely cruising this season. They beat the Hawaii team. They beat St. John Bosco by, like, 40 points. <laughs> so, oh. it's it's like – what I think Matter Day brought back 18 of 22 starters. Wow. Into this season. It, it, it's, it, if you talk about a team just destined for a national championship, that's the team, right? You, if, and if you're Chaminade or Bishop Gorman right now, you are hoping and praying that a St. John Bosco can knock them off this week or later in the playoffs because that's your only chance at national championship uh, comparative to, you know, looking at the resumes with Matter Day uh, and Chaminade and Bishop Gorman. Matter Day is consensus number one across the board. Um, and the only opportunities for slip-up really are as St. John Bosco in these next two games that they're going to play with them. Uh, in the second half of the season. Should be interesting. Bunch of uh, Miami commits and targets across the board in these big games. We'll see how they perform and we'll have those results as far as statistically what they've done next 
week on canescounty.com. That's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast this week at the crib with my guy, Frank Tucker. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel, Live from Canes County. Most importantly, subscribe to canescounty.com for free. Use the promo code Miami30 for the first 30 days for free. Until the next episode.